go. Welcome to Old School Gym Radio. I am Coach Myers, and I have my co-host, the gym boss who is known for keeping all the bros in check, the real <laughs> Nettie G. What's up, everybody? And I have a special guest. We have a special guest today who I'd like to introduce. My friend, my business partner, and also one of the most beloved and most well-respected men in the history of MMA, Clay the Carpenter Guida. What's up, Clay? Hey, Coach Myers and Nettie. Thank you so much for having me on this morning, guys. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Now, Clay, today was your first day ever actually walking in the old school gym, which seems kind of weird because I've known you for a long time. We have pictures of you on the wall, but today was actually your first day here. You know, what did you think kind of walking in old school for the first time? Um, right when I, I walked in and I was walking in with my buddy Jake Win the day Sanders, and I, it's, just, it's a throwback, just an old school feeling, so much tradition. And, uh, and right away, you know, you took me over to start looking at, the, you know, I was first thing I saw was just old uh, newspaper articles on the wall and old school posters, whether they were boxing or mixed martial arts or wrestling, and it was just uh, I was just consumed by it immediately. So uh, there's just a, a special feel when you walk into a place like this. We don't have places like this back home. I guess this is kind of as close to a comparison as like you know the the weight room we had in our, in our high school, which was just a small little. Small a warehouse, a mini you know, pole barn almost. It's know? funny that you say that because that's the reaction I get from more people than any other reaction. You know, they walk in. I don't care whether they're 25 and they've just been out of school for a little bit, or they're 60 years old. They go, "Oh, this, you know, this reminds me of my high school weight room I had in football. You know, it was in this old shed and we lifted weights, or my, you know, my buddy's garage or whatever." Everyone kind of has that same nostalgic feel when they walk in. Absolutely, which is pretty cool. What would you guys call the? <laughs> the, the structure, the structure yeah. we're in. So I was going to call it a half 50 gallon drum or a 500,000 gallon drum. Well, so technically it's called a Kwanzaa hut. I always called it that airplane hanger looking thing. There you go. Absolutely. You know, uh, Sports Illustrated, when they did a story on us, they called it, it said it looked like an earthworm, a giant earthworm half buried in the ground. You know? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I mean. Never heard that one. I like that. Yeah, one. it's kind of kind of interesting, right? Nettie, what did, what did you think about the, the shape of the gym the first time you came here? Airplane hanger. Airplane hanger. For mm-hmm. sure, yeah. I've actually had someone come in and say, did this used to be an airplane hanger? I'm thinking, well, where the hell would you, how would you get the wings through the, the front door? <laughs> like, yeah, well, I have my three private jets in, you know, various locations now. Undisclosed yeah, locations. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, you know, throwing it back to, you know, you said your high school weight room, you know, something I always like to start these shows off with and talk about and kind of something that really interests me is I like to see, like, where, you know, for whoever we're talking to, where did that love for training come from? Now, you're someone, as a competitor, you're known for your conditioning, your pace, and anytime you watch someone compete who's in, I don't care what sport it is, if they're in really good shape, then the first thing I think of is, like, man, that person really loves to train. So what I want to know is, like, where did that love come from? Did it come from wrestling? Was it doing push-ups in your basement? Kind of give me your early experiences with training in general. I gotta say that the love for training obviously stemmed from wrestling. Even though it wasn't my first sport, my first sport was soccer, um, and then it started rolling over to baseball, which I think is like a natural progression for kids. You know what I mean? Kids, mm-hmm. you know, first sport parents they don't know any better. Okay, let's get them into soccer. They need to get rid of get rid of some energy. You know, so when they go home, they go to sleep. And then uh, I started playing baseball. And I was very good at it at a young age. I was on the traveling teams, the all star teams, and then I got into wrestling right after that. In like first grade, so I don't know what, however old you are, they're you know sixth grade. I'm sorry, five or six years old is when I started wrestling and then playing football, and uh, that's how I would just run around. We would play, you know, just like every kid, you know, pick up pick up football games and stuff like that. But I didn't start lifting weights until 
probably I was a freshman in high school because I didn't, you know, I didn't. I was a ninety pound weakling, but I knew how to keep kids, hold them down, I knew how to take them down in wrestling. But it wasn't until you know I started getting into, you know, wrestling kids that were you know stronger than me freshman year, sophomore year, where I had to start hitting the weight room, and um, that's where it started taking over. That's where it started to click that. You're not just going to be a successful wrestler by, you know, by practicing all the time. There, you have to do stuff outside of the gym. You have to run. You have to do what we call the road work, the extra work, in order to find success um, against these top-level wrestlers. So that's where you know, wrestling took me to that next, that higher echelon of, of a, a different training sense, a different training mind. You know, I love football. I was never going to be you know, 6'4", <laughs> 220, you know what I mean? linebacker which I wanted to be but uh, so wrestling is uh, it's my passion and that's what kind of you know brought me to be so involved in training now so now wrestling being your first love would you say that you even loved it from an early age because when you look at wrestling it's such a sport of like highs extreme highs and lows you know I mean there's nothing lonelier than losing or getting embarrassed out there in the wrestling man and obviously at a young age, that's very magnified. You know, when you see kids at a wrestling tournament, they're either on cloud nine or they're crying, one of the two. So do you think, like, from an early age, you really enjoyed that, that you know, one-on-one, man-versus-man aspect of it, or was you kind of scared of that at first? That is such a perfect description because I remember the first time, you guys know what intramurals are. That was actually how I first started wrestling. Um, I went to our little junior high, and I remember the, who was running the intramurals were the, the high school football players who were larger than life. I was literally 40 pounds. They're giants. Huge. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And all was, at the time, I was watching WWF, you know. <laughs> Macho Man, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the Bushwhackers. Those guys are my heroes. The Bushwhackers. You know? Is this bad. the inspiration Bush- for your hair? <laughs> Whatever I'm holding on to, whatever's left up there. Uh, but So that's all I thought of. But my older brother, you know, my brother wrestled. So I went to, he brought me to intramurals, and um, I got to get on the mat with one of my best buddies, Brad Fox, and all I thought was, and I just saw the kids you know, throwing each other down, and this and that, I thought it was illegal, and I got to grab my buddy and like throw him down, <laughs> and I thought I was going to get in trouble. I'm like, oh no, my mom, or they're in the bleachers, I'm going to get spanked or something like that. And then uh, the, the coach runs over, he's like, do it again, throw him down, I'm like... This is awesome. You know, it was like, I, that's all I thought. That's as close like, wait as wait a minute. I'm not going to be in timeout for exactly. this. Exactly. I thought I was going to get punished or something, you know, grounded. And that's all I thought was this is as close to WWF as, as I can get, and it's legal. So that's when I was like, this is gonna, this is the coolest thing ever, you know. That's that's kind of just where I developed the the love for wrestling that to me there was like no rules. That was my, that was my release. <laughs> well, I think it's – you kind of touched on something there. I mean, I think it's a, definitely a certain – you know, personality type that's drawn to wrestling, and then that same personality is kind of a natural evolution, maybe to go into fighting after that. You know, you're just maybe maybe a more aggressive kid from the get go. You know, Nettie, you've been lots of friends with lots of wrestlers and fighters over the years, and you always say like you you can spot a wrestler from, from far away. Absolutely, I think it's in the DNA. I really believe that. <laughs> it's different makeup. Yeah, absolutely. And Coach does make a good point. I want to get back to his question because there are so many highs and there's so many lows, and I was one of those emotional kids I would I would get nervous before the match you know what I mean um, and no matter what uh, every time when I was a kid every my brother would coach me I'd have my other coach and no matter every time I lost I would cry I'm like I don't know why I did that and I'd run over I just I, I don't know if I wanted to do so well for him or I just expected so much on myself I would just get so emotional I would, I would cry after every loss you know and then every win it would be like I just on you top know, of just, the world. Absolutely, you know. But, yeah, and now that I coach kids and I see that, I'm like, I see so much of myself in these young boys, you know, and these girls that are wrestling too. 
and uh, they get so frustrated. It, it can be a very, uh, very humbling sport, but I, it, it's tough for you know for some kids to handle uh, victory and for them to handle defeat. It's, right. it's one of those you're the only one in there and hearing crazy my mom hearing crazy moms in the stands screaming, dads stomping on the mat, slapping the mat right next to the. I mean. It's it's very intense. It's it's different than any sport. Well, I I think it's human nature to want to be the center of attention in some respects, but in a positive way. Yes. So that's why it feels so good to win. But like to be the center of attention and you're on the losing end of it's it. Traumatic. It's traumatic. And I mean you're out there. Let's, I mean let's be real. You're in a singlet. Yeah. I mean and it's not just like you just lost a table tennis. You just got physically beat up. You Going know to take, to take another human being and hold them down against their will. Absolutely. It's a demoralizing thing. So. I mean, it, there's something so primal about it too, and it, that's why, like, it is so fun to watch kids compete because you know the joy of winning, but you know that that downside of losing, it takes a long time to be able to control that. I think absolutely, it's fun and coaching because I coach a youth program back in Illinois, and I coach high school, and to see these little kids that maybe that the the feelings don't get to them, they'll get beat up, and the whole time they'll be smiling, you know, looking at this day, <laughs> it doesn't bother. Maybe they just don't know any better because they're having so much fun, and they get up and. They shake hands and they run back into the stands. Like, it's great to see that, and it's great to see that kids are so passionate about you know victory and defeat too, because it's only going to prepare them you know for you know for later in life. You know, it, it would be an interesting study, which obviously we don't have the time, the scope, the money, or anything like to do. But if someone would do a study on kids at the youth level wrestling and follow the kids, the kids that are like nonchalant, they win, they're happy, they lose, like oh no big deal. And then the kids who really take it to heart and then kind of follow them through high school and see later, right? who, who has more success. Is it the kid who took it serious and then because they, they ended up training hard or whatever? Or the kid didn't get burnt out because he didn't take it serious. Be interesting. Absolutely. I and, and I don't know the answer either. It's hard to tell. Absolutely. You never know. It's uh, Everyone, you know, rates success differently too. You know what I mean? I'm always one of those who, who do you bring with you? Who, you know, who do you help you know succeed you know not that not that's below you but who do you bring along with you and teach them along the way too because that's how kind of how i uh, how i rate success as well so all right so kind of moving on to some more training based stuff you know you and i have done like some awesome running workouts together and everyone anyone who kind of follows me or you on social media i mean on social media they see you doing the running with the dude you do your story time while you're running i'm always posting sprint workouts and stuff like that and and i just really love the run i love the way i feel when i do it and uh but it wasn't always that way even you know when I was in high school wrestling, you know I hated the run. I can remember one of the, one of the things I thought like when I lost my last match as a high school senior, I thought, well, at least I never have to run again. But over the years, and it, and it sounds like cliche, but I kind of learned to embrace the suffering aspect of road work, and that's what I kind of fell in love with. Um, the way I can push myself, and it's just such a human, you know, kind of a basic human thing to just run. So, you know, was road work something for you that you always love, or do you think it just throughout the years of all the training you've learned to love it? That, that your story is very similar to mine too. Um, I feel like, you know, playing sports growing up in football, and soccer, and wrestling growing up, your coaches are they're up your ass, run, you know, lap, do ten laps, or we run. All right, guys, run the clock, twenty minutes. You know what I mean? It's a, it's just a punishment at that point. Exactly. You don't enjoy it. Once I started my mixed martial arts career, I found. Um, it's kind of my release. It's my getaway, you know, strap on the headphones and just go for a run. Treadmill something, you know, when it's cold in the Midwest, you, suck it. you don't want to run when it's freezing out. You know what I mean? So it's active meditation Absolutely. For you? Okay. Absolutely. And I just learned, it was just a mindset. I flipped a mindset and obviously I'm staying in shape. I'm getting in better shape. I'm losing weight. 
but that, that's my that's my getaway. Just I don't even keep track of the miles. Sometimes I don't keep track of the time. I just run. I'm like, okay, I'm bored. Time to go back. I got something else I got to do today. You know. So I, it was um, basically, and you know how it is. Mixed martial arts. We don't have full time coaches to follow us around all the time. It's, no, so much take, of it is on you. Absolutely, sure. and that's kind of how you know that, that's part of my training. I got to get up and do my stuff because I want to be the best. I want to be on the top of the podium. I want to hold that. I want to hold that belt, you know, around my waist, over my shoulders someday. Um, so you take it upon yourself. But, yeah, I felt like the coach is always yelling at you, and now we get to be our own coach. That is what is special to me. Well, and I think, too, there's something to be said for, like, if you get up early in the morning, go out, do some hard road work, and really test yourself, the rest of the day feels easy after that. There's like a, there's like a sense of relief when it's done. Yeah. You know, I know, like, whenever I'm on, like, a long run or a particularly hard run, it's like, in my mind, I can't wait for it to be over. And there's almost a part of me that may, wants to prolong it even longer to kind of like have to wait to have that feeling, like that release when it's all done. Now, as someone who I doesn't, don't think likes running at all, Nettie, what do you, do you think you will ever like to run at this point? Um, you know, I ran a marathon. I don't did you say. run a marathon? Maybe that's why she doesn't uh, like I it anymore. I did not know that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Let's hear that. I ran a marathon probably, I'm going to date myself almost 20 years ago. And I thought, hey, this is going to be my niche. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I ran one and I'm done. That's my, like, <laughs> that's my badge of honor. I can run every now and then, but it is not, like, I thought that was going to be a progression for me and it stopped at that race. It was one and done. But... I can say that I've done it, but I'll run every now and then. Obviously, I run with right. you from time to time. I'll get like a wild hair and like, hey, let's go out. I'll honestly, I'll go out and walk. That's my like active meditation. But every now and then, I'll just go out, run. Sprints are probably my favorite, though. I'd rather do that um, than, than, a, than a long run. But yeah, my running days are kind of, or if it's or if it's for a cause, like if my family wants to run a 5K or something, I'll absolutely do that. And I'll do that at the drop Correct. of a hat. I feel conditioned enough I can go out and do it if I want to, but I'm not. But you don't have that same trying. like psycho love hate thing for it that we have. No, no. And this, this is strange. I mean, I've been training with you for years. We run together all the time and you've never once mentioned that you ran a marathon. That's so I'm, I'm learning something yeah, new about you today. Yeah. Where was it at? Was it in Ohio? Was it? Uh, yes, it was actually. What's interesting too, it, it was in Cincinnati. It's the Flying Pig. And I had no idea. And that's all hills. It's all hills. I didn't know. <laughs> until, the no, one. no, that's the thing. That I didn't might know. Run a person forever for running. Well, I didn't know. And then like after I told other runners, they're like, are you? This is your... Wait, do you understand that that's all hills? I'm like, yeah, it's, so... it's Cincinnati, Ohio. There's no hills. Well, that's like, what I'm yes. thinking. I, did, I thought it was all flat. No, it's super no, hilly. Yeah, so anyone like... who's listening who's not from the Midwest, <laughs> Columbus is completely flat. Right. So picture, you know, a 20-year-old Nettie G who's training <laughs> in Columbus, and she's all pumped up to do her first marathon. She doesn't realize, because she flunked geography, that Cincinnati <laughs> is nothing but hills. Yes. And it's a notoriously, I do I do know this, I don't know much about marathon, but I know that Cincinnati is a, the flying pig is a notoriously hard marathon because the hills are so brutal. Absolutely. And the other so thing, no wonder you never liked running after <laughs> well, the other, <laughs> the other thing that I learned, no, this was a crazy thing too, is this is way back in the day. It's where you had like, you know, I had a mixtape ready to go. Like headphones. You made a mixtape on oh, a mixtape. I was running it with my best friend Carrie. And so we found out on the way down, we were like reading the rules. It was like no headphones. Music. We're like, oh, we're like 26 months. I mean, we had like this what, playlist. What was your lead off song? I don't, I, I don't want to say it. It's kind so of next oh, that's here. Oh, I don't, I re- no, I don't even remember. There was just like, some, <laughs> there were some motivational songs that would only mean something to me. But yeah, so it was hilly Lunatic and then you were not allowed to wear headphones. Rider. So it was like a oh. double, a double whammy. You were but, close to nine. But we finished. We never finish. stopped. I mean, by the end, like 
I was shout out to Carrie. Yeah. System of strength. Yeah, I would say that I we were running, but we were more of like doing this hobble limp and sounded like Chewbacca. Like we were just like, oh, where's the line? Like it was. Hey, but you know what? For forever, you'll be able to like kind of. Oh. If someone brings up marathon. See, I ran hey, a marathon. Hey, Dustin, have you ever ran a marathon? I have not. Oh, it's, Clay, have you ever ran a marathon? No. Yeah. And I won't start with the flying big. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, but but back to the running, I. I get it. I understand the the psychology of why people get the high. I understand runner's high. I've absolutely had that. Um, it's just, I'll be honest with you, once I actually started lifting weights, though, that's when I'm like, oh, this is my jam. Like that, like cardio stuff, uh-uh. I did that for way too long on the treadmill. I was a typical, you know, run the treadmill girl in college. Like I'm going to be on the Stairmaster in the treadmill. I think I burned myself out on well, that. I'll tell you, you know, I mean, obviously weightlifting is my first love and, you know, I'm always going to love lifting weights more than anything else, but... There's something about running. You can put yourself in such an uncomfortable position physically and mentally that you can't do with weightlifting. Now, maybe if I was stronger and I could you know, th- throw 600 pounds on my back like Jake won the day, I could, but I'm not, I'm not that strong, so I can't, you know, you, you hear powerlifters talk about how they're going to die under the bar someday. I've never had really that feeling when I, when I weightlift, but that is something that appeals to me about running is that I can put myself in such a, it's a very like uncomfortable place, and then to be able to, you know, kind of persevere through that is what is what feels so good when you're done. So, but hey, so kind of kind of changing gears, you know, from the running thing. You know, we're talking, you know, before we were on air here, we were kind of talking about some of the the old days of MM, MMA, which was originally called NHB, you know, no holds barred. And um, you know, because me and Clay know some, you know, has some mutual friends that you know fought and trained with back in the day or whatever. And um, you know, I've heard this story before. You know, uh, but I would like, you know, Clay, if you would share with Nettie here kind of the story of your first fight, because this is one of those things, you know, now when fighters get into MMA, you know, maybe they get done wrestling in college or whatever, then they go and, you know, join Team Alpha Male or American Kickboxing Academy, or they, you know, they go into a real camp and they got sponsors and they got coaches and all that stuff. Well, it wasn't always like that. You know, back in the day, things were a lot more loose. You know, the rules were very loose. It wasn't sanctioned. And, um, you know, so go ahead and kind of tell us that story. Well, I have a question. Is this a paid it's a paid fight. Was in No Holds Barred a paid, like, career? I haven't gotten paid even... yet. Maybe they don't have the right address. <laughs> or okay. I mean, just... maybe they paid his bar attack for the night. Okay, so, just one. Right? No, so give it, set the scene. Where were you at? Why were you there? Everything. Start at the beginning. All right, well, it it started in the Alaskan, on the Bering Sea in Alaska. I was fishing out there before I started fighting. A lot of people know, don't know that Wait. I, yeah. This is serious? Okay, yeah. I love it. Um, so even before the show, The Deadliest Catch came out, I was 21 years old. I wanted to wrestle, uh, wrestle in a, a, a Division II school in Colorado, University of Northern Colorado, Greeley, but I didn't have the money. I wasn't a successful enough wrestler to get um, you know, any scholarship funds. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out and work on a fishing boat, a 200-foot trawler, which drags a huge net through the Bering Sea, make enough money, pay my own tuition. And, of course, there's no cell phone. There's no service when you're in the middle. You're almost by Russia. That's how far out we were. So I get, you know, mail from my parents every few weeks, you know. And my mom sends me this letter. Mom and dad, yeah, your brother. And my brother and I wrestled in college. She goes to Harper College near Chicago. And she writes a letter. Your brother's doing this uh, NHB stuff. <laughs> and I hardly knew what it was. And <laughs> when she wrote that, and she's like, I think it means no holds barred. And I'm, just, I'm in my little bunk because that's what we slept in. I just started laughing because my brother's just big-ass dude. He wrestled Brock Lesnar in college. He's not as big as Brock, but he wrestled him, you know. Wow. Um, and I just started laughing. I'm like, of course Jay is. He's such a knucklehead, you know. And um, so you, you work so so long, and then you get to go back, like, every every six weeks. So middle of summer, 2002 or three, I can't remember, July, super hot Midwest summers, 
90 degrees. We're going to watch my brother's first professional fight in the middle of central Illinois, hillbilly, flat as could be, in the sticks, a town called Ottawa, Illinois. I mean, my buddies are, I'm not driving, my buddies are having a couple of road sodas on the way. About 20 minutes out, drinking, we get there, and we pull up to this place. We're like, what the? It's called the, it's called the Silver Slipper Saloon. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can tell by the name what kind of place we were, you know, going to. Daddy, you might have been a cocktail waitress at one point. All gravel parking lot. It's a gentleman's club, and next to it, an outdoor. There's a boxing ring. We thought it was gonna be inside. It's all, it's 95 degrees out, 100% humidity. There's a boxing ring outside. We roll in. I think our buddy's like, all right, we pound one more down. <laughs> We walk in, we pay our $10 admission fee, and all of a sudden we hear the guy pull up the megaphone. That's how hillbilly this place was. And he's like, yeah. It's we, a no PA system. He's talking through a megaphone. Through a megaphone. It was awesome. And, uh, and then, wait, real quick, too. Rewind. It was in a boxing ring. So a lot of people probably don't realize that back then, like, there was no cages. They couldn't, they couldn't afford them. People couldn't afford the cages, you know, except, you know, the UFC. It was about the only ones that really had them, or the big organizations. Yeah, so these little local organizations, they were just fighting a boxing ring. Boxing ring. And we see the... Um, the, the, the girls in the the ring girls walking around before the fight started they're like you know they're practicing that's how smart these girls were they were practicing <laughs> how to walk around with a card over the head one two and three you could tell it was really stressing them out um, and then we hear the guy in the megaphone yeah we uh, just one of our fighters just uh, just pulled out we need a, a fill in exhibition fighter for I don't know be anywhere 155 to 170 pounds so come on up to the front table and let no. us know, and you know, we'll see if you can. <laughs> so I finished my last beer. No way. Handed it to my buddy, gave my buddy my admission ticket, and I go, I'm doing this. And they knew exactly because they saw just how I was, you know, growing up. I just done wrestling, been wrestling in college. Um, I just got off a fishing boat, oh, less than a week earlier, you know. Long ass hair, you know. So this wasn't liquid courage. This was like second nature, like I'm in. Oh, it's you wrestling, didn't even wrestler think... stuff. Yeah. Okay. I'm a badass. I thought I can go out there and do this, you know. And uh, not to mention, well, because chances are he probably been getting in a fight in the crowd by the end of the night. Absolutely. Right. Well, I mean, why, why not get paid? Right. Yeah, why not get one that isn't going to get broken up? Right. Let's people watch. We should. Okay. Uh, and of course, yeah. And so my brother's already nervous enough. It's his professional debut, you know. So first of all, I go to him. I'm like, Jay. He's like, I'm like, Yo, dude, I'm doing this. I'm fighting. He's like, You're crazy, dude. This ain't no. This isn't a wrestling match. This is real deal stuff. You get kicked and punched in the head. This is real deal NHB. Right. <laughs> and so I went. I'm like, Oh. Whatever I knew exactly what he was going to say before he said it, so that I moved on to his coaches and his teammates. I'm like, coach, and they don't even know me. They just heard I was Jay Guida's little crazy brother who's living on a fishing boat somewhere in Alaska, kids just out of his mind. So I'm like, hey, coach, I don't even know your name. I want to fight. What do I got to do? He's like, beat it, kid. You know, so I just kept going down the line. I was just, I would not let it go. And then I went to my dad. I'm like, Dad, I'm I'm gonna do this fight. There's an exhibition fight. They called me out. You know? Oh my gosh! He's I'm like, like, sure. My old man's like, you're an idiot. He's like, go on out there, get your butt kicked. It's probably the best thing for you. You know, my old man's just a tough dude. You know, Italian guy from Chicago. You know what I mean? He probably just wanted to see his kid get humbled. A little get bit. humbled. Exactly. He knew I needed it. Um, so finally, I just finally wore my brother down. I, I think I just annoyed him enough. Half hour later, they're like, all right, dude, go for it. And, they, you know, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm jumping in the ring and I'm like, I was this, I had a kale set. I wore wrestling shoes. Yeah, which like, is, what did you wear if you were just in the I borrowed respect? someone, yeah, I borrowed someone's, uh, yeah, like, yeah, just shorts. shorts yeah, I borrowed someone's shorts. <laughs> and I had, uh, at the time, I was rocking bandanas. <laughs> I was wearing, 
Probably didn't even have a mouthpiece. Skateboard. No, I don't. I think I think he had to borrow some of his mouthpiece, which is so disgusting. <laughs> but I remember wearing the uh, the Kale Sandersons because he had just won the Olympics previously. They were the red, white, and blue American. And you flag were allowed to wear Sanderson. wrestling shoes then, Absolutely, right? which he knows is back in the day. Right. Oh, um, wow. And I was wearing these skateboarding wristbands, you know, Spitfire uh, wristbands. <laughs> I look like the ultimate warrior when I'm like a total moron. And uh, the bell rings. And this dude, they probably shouldn't even allow the fight, but there was no sanctioning body. This guy had eight eight fights already. They may not have been pro, but he was, yeah, he had eight fights. I had none except bar fights and whatever fights growing up. And right away, the bell rings, and I get into a wrestling stance. And this dude's like, he's a kickboxer boy. He's probably looking like, this guy? You want to fight this guy? And not, let, let, let me just say too, Clay's wrestling stance is really low. I mean, he crouches down, <laughs> looks like a, 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 a cat that's coiled up, ready to attack. Like Nightcrawler so, from X, X Men. <laughs> yeah, he looks like Nightcrawler from X Men. So picture he comes out to touch gloves, and the kickboxer, you know, kickboxer stands are really upright, really tall. And here's Clay crouched down, basically at knee level. Yeah. This guy's probably thinking, man, I can just kick this I, guy. I kick this guy soccer kicking right now. And of course, you know, finally, the, like the coaches or whatever, they're like, dude, stand up a little bit. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. And next thing you know, this guy's kind of swinging and kicks me right in the mouth, like full on. Oh. Roundhouse kicks me in the mouth. I did one of these. I was like, man, that stung a little bit. All right, this is a fight. Like my brother said it, you're going to get kicked or punched in the head. And of course, my wrestling instincts took over and coach knows I just ran and blast double legged him and uh, oh before that I got to I pretended that my ninja skills came out because I always wanted to kick someone when I was little and I, I actually went out I leg kicked the guy before we kicked I forgot yeah I kicked him in the leg I'm like this stuff's easy and then he goes and kicks me in the face then I went and double leg took him down and uh, in mixed martial arts they call it like a sweep or you know a reversal he rolls me over because I don't know jujitsu at the time he flips me over and I'm in a referee's position, which is all fours like a table, wrestling stuff. Yeah, the absolute worst thing that you can do in a in an MMA fight. Right, and I had no idea. And I'm looking at the, and he's on my back, and his coaches, and my brother, are like, go to your back, go to your back. And of course, every wrestler knows, don't. You're thinking I'm gonna get pinned. I don't want to get pinned. Don't go to your back. You know. <laughs> yeah. and next thing you know, the guy grabs me and chokes the piss out of me. And I you know, I tapped out, and I got up, started laughing. I'm like, oh, that's why I was supposed to go to my back, and uh, it was great. Like. But from that moment forward, I just got that that adrenaline that I hadn't had since college wrestling, you know, which was a year before. I was trying to get back to it, and I just I never looked back. I get out of the, you know, shook hands with the guy, hugged him, like, dude, that was awesome, man. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> and I get out. My brother's like, you're an idiot. Good job. Are you ready to train now? You know what I mean. So I think that was. I never got back on the fishing boat. I never went back to it, and that's what I I was gonna go back in a couple weeks because I was making good money. You know, it was a good career, but it was scariest it was the craziest thing ever like the deadliest catch it, it's 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 scarier than what you see on tv so that's what made the transition over to mixed martial arts it, it's like a hanging out in the kiddie pool getting getting in a cage it's scary <laughs> to some people but being on that fishing boat in 30 and 40 foot waves that come over the top and you think your ship Ugh. is gonna capsize i'm glad i got in that ring because i, I didn't want to really go back out on that i don't care how much money they pay you it's the wildest thing ever but um yeah then that was that and my brother and i literally drove Every day we work our, um, he was in the, he was a union mason, I was a union carpenter, we would drive from northern Illinois to the south suburbs of Chicago to train with the Gil, you know, Gilbert Grappling four or five days a week, and just, yeah, I never looked back, so that, that uh, fighting by accident, that's what I call it, I started fighting by accident, that, that match literally, you know, changed my life right there. No, changed your life, and just really shows how sometimes you just got to take a chance. 
Now, obviously, it doesn't always work out for people in the same way, but you know, you look at that from uh, you know being a drunken spectator and just jumping <laughs> in the last minute, and knowing nothing about the sport. So now you've been a you've been a pro fighter for 15, 16 years or whatever. You've been in the UFC for what 12 years? Going on 12 years. Going on 12 years. So probably one of the longest tenured fighters in the UFC. And it all started by accident. All started at a strip club. I mean, a gentleman's club. I wonder who the I wonder who the guy was that bailed out. You owe him your your career. Yeah, to that absolutely. Guy. I, I owe him a beer at least. You know. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It no, was, I, uh, I I read a quote the other week, and it was um, it basically was just saying like most things don't come across. Hey, this this is going to be an amazing opportunity. You know, you don't get an email. Amazing opportunity. You don't get a letter. No flashing lights. Right. There's no flashing lights. There's these like gut instinctual things that like oh you just or split second you have to make that move and like this this might change my life you don't know that the amazing opportunities aren't just like flagged in front of you so someone call that, that a gut check moment that was a, it yeah could be, it could be called a gut check moment that was oh, your so gut absolutely. check that was a double <laughs> gut check because you got your it was, ass kicked oh after, it was so. great <laughs> <laughs> so when was your first win though did you win your very next match or yes. did you come back with a vengeance like so, I'm gonna learn the, to ne- the next one over? was also very similar All right, so then that was that whole summer and um in old four, then it was uh, my bro- it was the same similar thing. Maybe my buddies were out out and about having fun. I just uh, go to go to sleep in the morning. My brother calls me. <laughs> Got to get a text or a phone call. He's like, dude, and he was fighting that night in Lake Geneva, which is southern uh, southern Wisconsin. I knew he was fighting. We were all getting ready to go, and he calls me early, five six a.m. I'm like, what the heck, dude? I'm sleeping. He's like, wait, you ready to go tonight? I'm like, yeah, you ready to go? You're fighting. He's like, no. Some kid fell out again. There's this kid they want you to fight. This little 19 year old boxer wrestler from uh, from Indiana. You you know give you five pound weight you know weight allowance. You know I was I was I walk, at that time I was walking around with like 60 65 you know, and uh, I'm like let's do it man. He's like it's a good for, good fight for you. We saw the kid weighing yesterday. You'll smoke him. He's like be ready. He's like go <laughs> go do something. You know what I mean? Go, go get some food in your stomach and be ready. I'll see you in a few hours. You know, and uh, same thing happened just by accident. No training at all. And um, went out there, and this little stocky, your typical like Hoosier wrestling looking dude, you know, boxer dude. He had biceps on him. I was like, damn, nineteen. I was twenty two at the time, you know. And uh, same thing, fought in a boxing ring. We were at the Abbey Resort because it was early. It was still kind of winter. It was like uh, March, you know, so it was still cold in Wisconsin. And uh, all of my buddies and brothers, they were all there to see him. And I didn't. I kept telling my only like three people that were there. I told him, like, don't let my mom know because she's coming. My dad had to work, so he couldn't make it. My mom will freak out. She'll tell me not to. Um, and I said, don't tell her buddies because they'll it'll somehow get back to Mrs. Guida. And uh, so we're back in the locker room. And we come out, and uh, I see my mom. I jump in the ring, and she sees, she's like, what are you doing? She's front row with her best friend. And she's like, I, I, this. She's like, I knew you were acting funny today with the phone calls and this and that. And it just shows you moms know they have an instinct because I was kind of like, she was hitting me up. Are you ready for Jay's fight? I'm like, yeah. I just, I kind of kept my distance from her throughout the whole day. You know. She's like, you want to go up there together? I'm like, no. I gotta go up there early. Exactly. I'll be, I'll meet you up there. She's like, all right. And uh, same kind of thing. Kid tagged me a little bit. He had good. He had very good, quick, fast boxing hands. You know. And he tagged me in the nose and stayed wrestling instincts set in. Uh, double legged him, took his back and choked him out. And I remember I did a backflip off the ropes. So I went back into, my, <laughs> I went back into my uh, my WWF wrestling <laughs> stuff. Exactly. Um, so that was my yeah that was my first win and uh, after after that it was it was all on like we were. So you can really remember like 
the actual moves that you you put on this gentleman. Yeah, like, I, would, I, that, would, I would really like call them moves. Okay, yeah. yeah it, was more, it was like a freak. It was like a circus act. And once, once again, I was in I was in my wrestling stance, and they're like, "Dude, stand up a little bit." And this he's he's ready to go. Like he looks the boxing part. You know, he's skilled. And uh, the whole place went bananas for me and my brother. It was it was pretty awesome. My mom and I give her a big hug. <laughs> She's like, "Don't ever do that again." I'm like, "Well." Probably be fighting you pretty soon, you know, because uh, the whole thing took over and um, never looked back. How long did you train with your brother? Is he still fighting? I don't... Yeah, so we no still clue. train. He's in my corner. He's the guy that slaps the oh, really? piss out of me. Yeah, okay. when we walk down to the cage and, yeah, he's in my corner every fight. Is he so. your only brother? Correct, yeah. I have one older brother and older sister. One okay. Younger. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. So he's with you every at every fight? Every fight. Oh, that's... I love that. That's that's a whole different probably feeling than just yeah. having... Cause oh, yeah. He's your, he's, yeah, he got me into wrestling. He got me into football. He got me into sport and baseball when I was little. And, uh, yeah. I like that. Yep. Now, you had mentioned to me uh, yesterday, too, that your sister just recently got into working out, basically had, like, a big milestone. You want to talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit? Yeah. My, my older sister, Kerm, she's in the middle. And two days ago, she just hit 100 pounds. She lost 100 pounds over... <laughs> Wow. Five months, something like that. What? And she, she is on... No surgery? No. She works out in the morning before she goes to work, and she Holy works hard. Smokes. Yeah, she's a, she's like the superintendent of a bunch of uh, nursing homes, so she overlooks you know, old folks, and she drives to all these places. She gets the kids off to school. Then um, when she comes home, no matter what time it is, she's back on the treadmill, back she's working. She's out there doing that road work. How have, you support, how have you supported her through that? Just oh, like, it's she, very exciting she knows how you. hard we work, and it's just you know, I'm like I, I'm like you 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 blow us you blow us away, you know. It, it, it's very uh, I'm so so happy for her, you know, because uh, it was getting bad there for a while, and she she's not big on pictures at all, and she's like I haven't taken a a, a, pic, a side profile picture I think since her wedding where she lost a bunch of weight and she gained it all back, and we're just so thrilled for her. And as a matter of fact. Um, I just surprised her. Her and I actually surprised my parents. Uh, I got her a nice uh, little vacation to visit my parents during Florida. So oh, she nice. surprised my parents last night. She flew in late at 10 p.m. So once I got back to the hotel last night, she's like, all right, I landed. So I got her an Uber from the airport to my oh. parents to, to you know, just to literally surprise her. And I was texting my old man the whole time. You know, I'm like, hey, what's, what's going on? What, you guys got any fun plans tomorrow? And he's like, ah, maybe, you know, blah, blah. He's like, I'm sure we'll find something to do. I'm like, I'm sure you guys will. And my mom, she wakes up and she's like, oh my gosh, her sister's here. I'm like, yeah, I figured she'd show up. So, nice. um, but yeah, she is so motivated and um, we're just, yeah, we're, we couldn't be happier. Because that's got it. That would probably be an interesting place for her to be, to <clears throat> need to lose the weight, know that you're a professional athlete. That's, that mentally has to be um, yeah, something that, that weighed on her. Yeah, also. Yeah, I'm like, it's, like, it's about your kids. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like your kids, they look up to you. We all look up to you. She's the brain. She's the toughest one in the family. She's super smart. And she, you know, she took some beatings. So me and brother, me and my brother used to beat the <laughs> crap out of her. And she would start swinging back at us. You know, we didn't have to mess with her after, you know, in high, early <laughs> in high school. But, um, yeah, she's definitely a, a great example of, you know, of a, a, a great leader, a great parent, and someone that's, you know, changing her life. Um, and I can just see when I saw her on Christmas, just how she carries herself, just more confident. She, you know, her, her, the kids are ship shape too, you know. So it's a, you can see a, a complete transformation. That's cool. well, what a what a great example of what working out can do for you. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, your kid trying to win a state title or you know, your professional fighter trying to win, win a, you know, be the best in the world, or you're just a mom trying to like get your control your life back. You know, fitness. Working out in general, just really embracing the grind that just it can have such a positive impact on you. Absolutely. So, so I'm going to transition a little bit, and this is just um, how do you know as far as like fighting? Is it 
when do you know when it's time to to quit? <laughs> might not be a fun might, might not be a fun thing to talk about, but nor other careers, um, you know, other careers, people work them. They know, hey, at sixty five, I'm going to retire. Gotcha. Um, if gotcha. you are like NBA, NFL, they kind they quit you, mm -hmm. and then so it's kind of like as a fighter, is it more or less? You have to make that decision, or does the MMA make that decision for you? I, I talk me through that. How that? Definitely. Well, that us in this works. small room, we don't we don't know the definition. The four of us in this room don't know the definition of the word quit. So, <laughs> um, I like to say, um, or move, transition to your next yeah. your career. Yeah. And that's funny you bring it up because I was just watching Sports Center yesterday, and of course LeBron James is you know hounded by the media. And they're talking. They're asking about retiring. This guy's, you know, going to be in the playoffs again, arguably going to be, you know, MVP, you know, candidate. And he's like, I'm 33 years old. I can't believe he's been playing for 15 years already. Cause Unreal. Are, my yeah. I feel like the dude's just got in the sport. It was a two, I think, yeah, oh, two, because I'm a couple years older than him. It's like unbelievable. And he's talking, he's like, I'm in better shape than I've been. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? He's like, I feel like I'm playing better. Our team, we're having some struggles, but, you know, we're coming together and this and that. And you can see the media's faces with everything he says. They, they change and they just... They, they hang on every single word, and that dude's, he's far from retiring. That guy's yeah. far from quitting, you know? Um, so it's different, in, you know, different careers, you know? Sometimes you don't want to have, you don't want to be that um, that athlete where the organization lets you go or whatever, you know, or they don't uh, fulfill your contract or continue another contract for you, so. Okay, so you're um, under contract. See, I don't understand that. So you have a, a formal contract with the MMA right now that correct. they do for a year or two or, mm -hmm. okay, gotcha. Yep, All it right. goes by bouts, correct. Yeah, okay. so it goes by fights. Okay. Um, yeah, so I have one fight left on my contract. Um, but to me, you know, I've been better shaped, just, you know, the different workouts that I do, um, the different work, workouts coach puts me through and things like that. and. I'm in better shape, and I say this over and over again in interviews, I'm in better shape now than when I was 18, than when I was 21, than I was 25. Well, I'll tell you too, I'm a, something I'd like to add to that, I think, you know, as a coach, you know, watching whether it's, you know, wrestlers that are training for the Olympics or fighters like Clay, I think probably when you could say it's time for guys to hang it up is when they quit progressing and improving as an athlete. And Clay, I think you are a great example of a guy, you know, you've been with the UFC for 12 years, you watch you fight now, your style, your, your technique is improved, your footwork, your your uh, you know your stand up is light years ahead of where it was when you first came into the sport, and you know you're riding a win streak right now. So you look at that versus you see other guys that might come in on a hot streak and they just they either get worse or they get more tentative or they just don't progress in general. So I think as a coach, when you look at an athlete and they're not progressing any longer, then that's when you start to say, hey, maybe it's time for us to start exploring other options. You know, but with, like I said, with you being kind of the uh, the antithesis to that, it's been pretty remarkable to watch you improve. And also, you got to give a lot of respect to your coaches out there in Sacramento. They've done a great job helping you uh, kind of change up your game and progress as you've been out in alpha male. Yep. And being a wrestling coach, and he coaches professionals, and he coaches the highest level wrestlers in the country and in the world, that's got to be hard for their standpoint to be like, um... Maybe you know it's hard to see this guy. Maybe he's maybe he's hit a wall. You know what I mean? Or maybe he's not enjoying the sport as much anymore. Because that to me, that's what I always tell people too. Besides the fact that I'm in better shape than ever, my body feels amazing. I'm having fun of this thing. I feel like, and coach, I'm, I'm um, the evolution of fighting. I'm evolving more. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm putting my skills together better now. You know. And uh, maybe mid thirties, they. I, some people say they peak in the mid twenties. Like I, I've heard, I've read studies that, I think that I think a male does. I think they are. They they're peaking in their mid thirties, late thirties. So I just turned thirty six. 
I feel better than ever. I'm having more fun in this sport. I'm learning more. I'm becoming a, a better student of the game. And uh, I Physically, I feel better than I ever have. I'm 38 years old, and I mean, I train two and three times a day. Yeah. This is the best I've ever felt, you know? I mean, obviously, I don't have to get punched in the face for a living, but, <laughs> it, <laughs> but just from a training training standpoint, my body feels great. Yep, it's a, it really is a mindset. I believe that about, about everything in life, and I definitely believe that about training, you know? And it's kind of started with the running thing. Used to not enjoy it, now I enjoy it because that's my getaway. That's my release. Music is my, it's my release. I get the strap on the headphones and just run and... You know, wrestling and training—they all—they all go together. You know, mixed martial arts, but just having fun and just having the, having the right mindset go a long way. So you're talking about uh, you know, kind of the escapism of running, and you know, I want to tell a story real quick about when we went for a run down in Austin. We're down at you know in September for the Austin City Limits, and I think it might have been the last day we're there. And we got a couple hours before we're going to the concert, and we're in this uh, you know neighborhood right in downtown Austin. It's real hilly, real nice. We go for this long run, and you know, uh, and then this might have been the first time that we actually ran or did anything together. Mm-hmm. And we ran, you know, four or five miles, nice hard pace, but, you know, good conversation the whole way, up and down these hills, twisting around. And right before we went back to, back to the house, and, you know, Clay's like, hey, let's, let's check out the river real quick. The Colorado River goes right through the middle of Austin. And that part in the neighborhood where we were at, what, what's the name of that neighborhood? Terrytown? Is that what it's mm-hmm. called? So the river gets so wide, it's actually called Lake Austin. So they refer to it as a lake, even though it's really just part of the Colorado it's River. It's a pool. Yeah, it's a huge, this huge part where the river just kind of pulls out and gets wider. And so, you know, we are, we're already four or five miles into our run at this point. It's hot. Yeah, it's super hot. We ran at a good pace. We did some sprints and stuff like that. So he's like, hey, man, let's, let's go check out the river before we go back to the house and eat. Like, all right, so we jog down there, and uh, he takes off his shoes and dives in for a second. We're on, like, this boat dock. And uh, he's like, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll go back. So look, I was like, man, this is a really cool opportunity. I was just like, hey, Clay, what, you want to swim across the river? He says, hell yeah. So he jumps out. We take off our shoes. We got our phones with us, and uh, we kind of just like stashed them underneath this uh, bench. There's a lady sitting there, like just watching the boating and stuff. I said, "Hey, can you watch our phones for us?" She's like, "Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, yeah, we'll be right back in five minutes." You know, so we jump in, and let me tell you, I don't know if you've ever been to Lake Austin on the Colorado River, but it is wide. And, it was, and remember, was it a Saturday or Sunday? It was. It was busy. There's boats yeah. everywhere. There's jet skiers everywhere. Boats everywhere. <laughs> and we, we got out into the middle of it. The current was rough, and like then you start realizing once you're halfway out, like, man, this is really. Why? You know, it might have been a half mile or more across. Yeah. And uh, so we swam all the way across, and kind of our plan was, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get to the other side, and there's like this retaining wall there. We're like, we'll get to the wall, and we'll do like a pull up, pull ourselves up, rest for a few minutes, and then swim back. Well, once we got, you know, maybe you know, 20 yards or so from that wall, the water was so rough. We're like, man, the wave would just beat it's us against that wall. Seawall, yeah. yeah. We're like, we're like, we can't. Even, it's so rough over there. We can't even get out of the water to take a break. And so we just kind of, you know, went real close to the wall, and then. Swam back. I think it took us a half hour, forty minutes or so. But what an experience! I mean, it was just such a great workout. It was such a, like a, a cool experience to be out there. My point is, you know, we were already at the end of our workout. You know, we were already exhausted, and it was at the time where most people were probably thinking like, okay, time to pack it in and you know be done with the workout. But we're always looking. It's just a mindset of always looking for new challenges and new experiences, new adventures, exactly. And you know, whether it's you know climbing up a mountain or swimming across a river, or whatever it is, like. I'm up for that stuff any time of day. I love always, it. Always, yeah. And then after that, we went back up and we took a bunch of cliffs, a bunch of pictures hanging off these cliffs. Oh, we were, yeah, yeah. We were out of these trees that were literally hanging. Those, those are at least 100, 150 feet down. I mean, straight down. I mean, it could it could have been 1,000 feet the way right. around. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awesome, man. Just a, a beautiful place. And yeah, it was just another adventure, another experience that I've never had. And to be able to, you know, have it with, uh, with Coach Myers was pretty cool. So the other kind of overarching, you know, thing I want people to take away from that is, 
you know, if I was only in shape certain times of the year, then when I get to train with my athletes, I wouldn't have got the experience out of Clay. I might have been able to tell them, like, hey, run five miles and come back, and I might have been able to point and say, hey, you know, jump in the water, swim across, but I wouldn't have got the experience out with them. So I think one of the most important things for a strength coach is you've got to get in the trenches with the athletes. And if you're not in shape year-round, then you're going to miss out on those opportunities. I, I know I don't care whether I'm, you know, I'm 38 now. I don't care. When I'm 58, I don't want to sit on the sidelines. If i got an athlete that's going to swim across the Colorado River, I want to do it. Do it. So. Hey, and with that, I think that's a good place for us to sign off. So, Clay, where can our listeners uh, find you to kind of follow you and find out more about what you got going on? Obviously, check us out at Max Ever Muscle. You can check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. But uh, the Max Ever Maniacs, the Mafia is taking over, guys. When is your next fight, Clay? Do you know? We're not sure right okay. now. I'm busy coaching wrestling. Like I said, I got a youth program that I coach. I help out back home. I help out one of the top high schools at Montini Catholic back in Chicago. And uh, we're coming. We're, we just... Uh, agreed to we're going to be in the it's called they call it the who's number one it's basically the high school national duels it's the four top teams in the country we're going out to pennsylvania at the end of this month oh, nice. we're going to, that honor. they're going to be there i was talking nice. to about it yesterday so it's going to be blair academy oh you're a wrestler, you're a wrestler from blair yep <laughs> um wyoming seminary and then the Ber, uh, bergen so so you got a two new jersey powerhouses a pa powerhouse and the, yeah, the illinois powerhouse too. so it's it's going to be really really awesome so it's uh, great great to be around it so i'm hoping my next fight is after the wrestling season and i would love to see be at the ncaa's that's the plan in cleveland i mean what a better place than ohio i would love to see it at columbus but there's so much history in cleveland too my grandpa was you know born and raised there before he moved to chicago so nice. it's got a cleveland's always got a a, a whole, you know, a place in my heart, especially since the Chicago Cubs were there when they won the World Series. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're hoping for another fight. But I, I, I want to be around um, the, the entire wrestling season. So, now, you know, Clay, what a great ambassador for the sport of wrestling. I mean, here's a guy at the top level of MMA, but right now it's wrestling season, and your focus is on coaching your kids. You know, so I think that really just shows kind of your character and your dedication to the sport. And uh, you know, that's why we're really happy to have you here. This week, too, as a guest for Ohio State Wrestling, the service our honorary captain. You know, I know it's a big honor for you, but it's a big honor for us just to have you involved. And, you know, always good seeing you, my man. I mean, I appreciate it. It's the greatest sport on the planet for a reason. And, uh, yeah, I'm honored. I'm blessed to be here doing this podcast and, yeah, be part of uh, such a great event, a Big Ten rivalry um, at the Schottenstein Center. And to see the Buckeyes go out there and put it on these guys, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I can't be uh, more thankful. Good deal. Thanks for and get some training in before you leave here. Right? <laughs> That's the next step. That's really why we have to wrap up. They're like itching to go downstairs and clang some weights around. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Old School Gym Radio podcast. Do us a favor: subscribe, like, share. Hell, even write a book report about how great this podcast is. We really appreciate the support. Thanks for listening. <laughs>